welcome to her memories to history. Right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Grace. I'm Michelle. And this episode is about space. It is about space. Yes. This is. Are we saying that this is the first episode of the second season? Is that how we're gonna? Mm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it, it makes us seem more professional if we do that. Yeah. So. You going first? Am I going first? You're going first. I'm going first. Okay. So when I started researching, Mm -hmm. I realised that actually I know very, very little about space. In general? Like an astonishingly small amount. So do astronauts. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I don't know much about astronauts. Like, really. I mean... Like, I wasn't, like, a space kid. (gasps) I was a space kid. I was not. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So I had, like, a few people in mind, mm-hmm. and then I whittled it down as to, okay, do I actually understand what they did? Mm. Not really. Okay, they're out. Okay. Um, so the person I have chosen is Catherine Johnson. I've heard the name. I would, yes. Probably because she was one of the people in which the movie Hidden Figures was based on. Ah, Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, which is one of the reasons, obviously, well, the, it's the reason that I kind of know who she is, mm-hmm. because, and it's also one of the only films to do with space that I actually enjoy, which really <laughs> irritated someone I work with. Um, he was not happy about it. I was like, oh, what's that good NASA film? And he was like, oh, and I was like, ah, Hidden Figures. He was like, really? I was like, yes, that's <laughs> the good NASA film. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Catherine Johnson was born Catherine Coleman in august 1918 26th mm-hmm. august uh, in white sulfur springs which is in west virginia america in america yes she was the youngest of four children or as my notes say children for some reason <laughs> uh, her mother was a teacher and her father was a lumberman a farmer a handyman and also worked at uh, a hotel mm-hmm. so she was attending high school from the age of 10 well, I think high school begins at, like, 14, doesn't it, in America? I should yes. have researched that before. Yeah, and it's because um, in uh, in the county, um, mm-hmm. they didn't let black kids go to school after 8th grade. Oh, dear. Yeah. So she had to go to a school that was in another, like, county... Mm-hmm so that her and her siblings could go to school and so what the family did was they like they lived near the school during term time and then they went back home to White Sulphur Springs for the summer oh cool yeah mm-hmm. which is a weird concept to be like yeah the whole family has to move to a school simply because the country is shit um, I mean I'm glad the parents moved them yes and so they did still get to go opportunity yeah yeah it's just awful that they had to yes very at age 18 she graduated with high honors mm-hmm. from west virginia state college with a bachelor's in ma- mathematics and french 18 <laughs> oh yeah my, that is early <laughs> yeah i thought you went started at 18 no my god no no i'm noticing a pattern because my my person graduated early too I think if you get into space, you have to be, like... If you want to get into, like, high, like, astronauts and things like that, you've got to be... Yeah, that's why my dreams were crushed as a child. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Christ. (laughs) Mine was because I just went, to be, you know, an astronaut, you've got to be really physically fit. And I was like, well, that's me out, isn't it, really? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I can can push through, maybe. And then I was like, I can be an astronomer instead. I can just sit on the ground and watch the space. But it turns, and I, then I told my dad I want to go to university in Arizona for seven years when I was oh eight. Oh my god! And he's like, I don't think that's mm. going to happen. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I swear, at eight, I still wanted to just be a lollipop lady. To be fair, so at least oh, you were one of them. I was, yeah. I was like, because I, I couldn't do maths. So my mum was like, mom was like, you have to find a job that doesn't have maths. And I was like, don't, they do exist. I'm mm-hmm. going to be a lollipop lady. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Someone yeah. was arguing at work today that you say lollipop as pop lolly. What, like the sweet or like the profession? As in the sweet. It's a pop lolly. 
They were right. Scottish. So oh, maybe it's then... a Scottish thing? I don't know. That still sounds weird. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so after Catherine graduated, she went to Virginia to do teaching. Mm-hmm. But at age 20, she was picked to be one of the first three African-American students to enroll in a graduate program at the university. So the state was kind of having this uh, like gradual integration plan mm. to kind of, well, to integrate, you know, black students into what were previously white only universities. Yeah. Of course, the, like the what they call residents of the state were pretty pissed about this idea, but they were basically told to like go eat shit because mm-hmm. the government's response was, well, you know, they need an education and you won't give them black only universities. So integration is the answer. And everyone kind of had to deal with that. I'm glad Um, they did. So, yeah. (laughs) So it was her and two male students who were offered spots. So she was the first woman, actually, to to get the opportunity. Um, And she studied maths um, Mm -hmm. at the university. Uh, But she did leave during... uh, So she didn't actually finish the university, uh, her degree there, Mm -hmm. uh, because she left... Because she got married to a man called James... Well, I should have looked this up. It's either Gobble or Gobble. Gobble. Um, and wanted to start a family. Um, she did go back to teaching mm-hmm. when her three daughters were then older. Oh. So, so she had that kind of little break. Yeah. Mm. But then in 1953, she um, and James moved house in order for her to pursue a career at the... NACA, which is the National Advisory Committee for Aeronauts. Oh, wow. Aeronautics, sorry. Mm. Yeah. Um, where she was kind of applied mm-hmm. um, because she, it was like something she was really interested in doing, like the maths of it all, so she went and did that. And she and was in a computing unit, which was led by um, another West Virginian who's called Dorothy Bourne, I think it's pronounced. Um, and she was part of a team of calculators. You know what calculators are? The human versions of the machine? Basically, yeah. It'd be like a team of, well, I think they were all women, actually, um, who would just do sums. Okay. Before the calculator was invented. Is that or in before, hidden like, figures? Machines were... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were, like, just the rooms. And then, obviously, the, like, the IBM machine came in. Oh, and was yeah. like, we can do that instead. So then, like, they they all, I think, got fired. But, yeah, that's what they used to do. Ooh. But, obviously, they were essential at the time because mm-hmm. they didn't have, like, machines that could do it. But, also at the time, the NACA was segregated. Yeah. Of course it was. So, the uh, West Computers, which was the team that she was in, had to use separate bathrooms and had to eat separately. Ugh. Yeah. Thanks, Woodrow Wilson. But, in lighter news, that was overturned in 1958 when the NACA joined with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, Mm. NASA. So when they got lumped in with them, NASA was like, yeah, we don't do that. So that got... Oh, that's good. Abolished, basically. Yeah. Um, So two weeks into her position there, she was then assigned to a project in the... uh, maneuver loads branch of the flight research district i sound like i know what i'm talking here Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't but what she was doing there was basically she was doing lots and lots of research to look at how planes responded to uh turbulence and like why they crashed due to turbulence and things Mm. so she was doing that during that time of studying a very light subject matter mm-hmm. her husband passed away uh, of cancer in 1956 Aww. i think all those dates add up yeah they do then <laughs> so in so that so it was kind of like space at that point was kind of like it was there they were working with it but there was nothing mm-hmm. kind of going on the space race but then obviously in 19 you are the space race was yet to start Yes. So in 1957, the Soviet Union then launched Sputnik, mm. which was, I think, kind of one of the first steps of the, like the space race, or the first step that us common people kind of yeah. knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't understand a lot of what happened there, mm-hmm. but I do know that off the back of that, Catherine was then asked to do like a lot of talks. She had ended up working with a lot of different teams and was then put in into one of the core teams of the space task group 
mm. which was like NASA's first group that did the mathematics to venture into space. Oh wow. Crazy. Yeah, which was then when the NACA then joined with NASA. I don't know if NACA is actually said, like NACA. Mm, that sounds a bit rude. <laughs> mm, NASA. The NACA was then asked to join <laughs> at NASA. She was then. Uh, she then did the calculations on the Freedom Seven mission in 1961, mm. which sent the first man into space. Wow. I know. That's crazy. I, just, I did have his name written down somewhere, but I've I've lost it. I was thinking though, if they only started to like the space race in like fifty seven, and then they got someone like in space within like four years, and then a man on the moon in twelve, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the pressures of the Cold War, that's what drove it. <laughs> yeah. I say, have you been? Uh, have you watched? There's a new show out. Well, the first season is now finished. It was called For All Mankind. No. It was a show. It's really, really good. I would recommend you going to watch it. Mm. Um, and it's about what if Russia... Well, the Soviet Union had won the space race. Oh, wow. And how America responded to that. Mm. Hint, they don't respond well. No, never would. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but it's worth the watch, which is why a lot of these dates I'm getting very confused about because I'm like, yeah, but I know that in the show that I was watching, mm. they launched this mission, but I know that in real life they didn't launch that mission because that didn't actually happen. But anyway, that's... Yeah. Mm. Go watch that. It's very good. Mm. Then in 1962, NASA launched um, an orbital mission with John Glenn, mm-hmm. um, which I think was when... It was like... I mean, I might, might be making this up, but I think it's the first time that a guy went all the way around. Oh, yeah. So did a full orbit, mm-hmm. I think. Because of, like, how much there was going on with that, they had to get the IBM machines in to do a lot of the calculations mm-hmm. because there just was not going to be enough people. And what they were doing was they were... They put machines in, like, different countries around the world mm. so that they could, like, communicate the machines with one another so that they could then communicate it for the rocket. Crazy. I know. For the <laughs> now 50s, that seems 60s? Archaic. Yeah. But yeah, like, 62. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's just weird to think that, like, they that was something that everyone was like, <gasps> we're going to bounce signals from around the world into space. We're now, we're like, you can FaceTime astronauts, can't you? Whilst they're in space. I think so, yeah. But because, obviously, they were using machines, the pilots were a bit, like, mm, about no, yeah. using machines because at the time they were still kind of getting stuff wrong and freezing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. as machines do. So... Glenn specifically requested Johnson mm. to run the numbers for him. Oh, yeah, that's nice. He did say in uh, how did he say? It? I think he said, "Fetch me the woman," which isn't great, but <laughs> I do give him points for singling her out. Yeah, but she did uh, calculate the numbers, and he said that if she thought they were good, then he was going to go, and he did. He went, and it was all fine. Um. And then she was actually part of the team that worked on the Apollo 11 mission. Was she? She was, yeah. Crazy. Um, she wasn't there. She did all the calculations kind of leading up to it, but mm-hmm. then she wasn't actually, I don't think, in the control room when they were actually, like, blasting off. Oh. But she did, she was uh, in the Pocono, I think it's pronounced, the Pocono Mountains, which is in Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, and she said that she was, her and her whole room were crowding around a small TV mm-hmm. uh, to watch the first steps on the moon. Well. So, I know. It doesn't end there, though, in <laughs> 1970. I feel like there's a lot of dates, but it's mm-hmm. like she did so many things. In 1970, she was working on the Apollo 13 mm-hmm. mission, but uh, the mission was aborted, and her backup procedure was the one that was used to ensure that the crew managed to get home safely. Mm-hmm. And when she was interviewed in 2010, she said, everyone was concerned about them getting there, but we were concerned about getting them back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of the big one. She later worked on projects such as like the Space Shuttle Programme, the Earth Res- Resources Satellite, and the plans for a mission to Mars. Whoa. Um I know. And then she retired in 1988 after having authored, or you know, slash co-authored, 26 research reports in her career. Well, yeah, that's a well-deserved retirement. Yeah, hell of a lot. Yeah, 
she did remarry in 1959, so three years after her husband had passed away, mm-hmm. she then remarried another James, must have liked the name, mm-hmm. James Johnson, which is how, obviously, she gets her name, oh, yeah. um, who was a war veteran. And it says that she and her husband had six grandchildren and 11 great-grandchildren. Oh, They must yeah. be so proud of their grandma. <laughs> I know. I would and she be. encourages... <laughs> I'm proud of her, yeah. Uh, and she encourages uh, her grandkids and her students to pursue science and technology. Mm. Um, she lives in Virginia. Um, still. Still, li- yeah, still living. So she's 101 years old. Oh my gosh, I'll be 102 this year. Crazy. I know. <laughs> God, um, and I know. During her time at NASA, she continued to sing at her choir Aww. for over 50 years, mm. um, which was. It's kind of irrelevant, but it's really cute. She's received many awards, you know, yeah. for obvious reasons, such as the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2015. Oh. In 2016, the Catherine J. Johnson uh, Computational, I think it's pronounced, research facility was named after her, which is at NASA. Mm-hmm. There is the film about her, obviously. Yeah. It's about her, Dorothy uh, Vaughan, who is then the woman who kind of ran mm-hmm. the team of computers. Uh, Mary Jackson, who was another engineer at the facility, mm-hmm. which obviously then that came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. Great film. Yeah. Please go watch it if you haven't already. <laughs> she There was an episode of Timeless, which was a weird kind of like uh, science fiction time travel show mm-hmm. uh, and they dedicated an episode to her which oh. came out in 2016 that same year a lego <laughs> came out of her which is kind of cool mm-hmm. in 2018 she was awarded an honorary doctorate by the college of william and mary which is in virginia i think mm-hmm. uh that same year uh she had there was a statue at the west virginia state university of her that was oh. put up and a STEM scholarship that was named after her. Mm. Yeah. And then, obviously, there's uh, the uh, Barbie that came out of her as well in 2018, which I remember being in the news because they released like oh, a, wow. a line of a lot of uh, famous women. Um, mm. And um, Catherine Johnson was one of them, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I rattled through that all really, really quickly, but mm. I'm hoping it, it hid the fact I didn't know a lot of what she <laughs> did because I don't understand it all. I know, but, but it's still impressive. Still, I mean, that's, Amazing. that's yeah. how it's impressive because most people will not understand what she really did, but, like, we can... Exactly. We can understand the massive depth of it, of, like, what it's done for space history. Yes. Yeah. There was so much... And even, like... Because I know when I was watching the film and it's like, you know when you watch people do maths and you're like, yeah, but you can kind of work out sometimes what, what's going on mm-hmm. and things like that. But the sheer scale of what they were doing... And, like, the information that they could store and then process and then, like, break down all in your head mm. is phenomenal. It's incredible. Like, I don't understand how... Yeah, I can barely remember sequences of three numbers. Never mind, like, all of what they managed to remember. Yeah, same. Mm. Incredible people. Yeah. Oh, that was so interesting. <laughs> Thank you. That was very, very quick. There's a lot there. I know. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, I am too. And she's still, she's still going she's strong. She's still kicking. She looked amazing as well. Yeah. I bet. Shall we go for a quick break and then? Yes. We shall duel. Yes. So we will see you after the break. Yeah. We are Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Plyme and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system or shark's digestive systems or how many priests are necessary for an exorcism or the guillotine or how much milk can fit in a shopping cart or how to cook dicks or what it means when your nose itches or penguins or why it's called Scotland Yard or proper body disposal or sentencing or how to make it through an entire episode without saying God. 
How big does a rock have to be to be a boulder? Or geography. Or whether stingrays have teeth. Or crime in Minnesota. Or how medical parole works. Or why people text their crimes to each other. Or the hierarchy of cops. Or what a paper grabber is. Anything about an Alfred plea. The security at Buckingham Palace. If warrants expire. How to start a fire. How much drugs cost. If ducks would make good guard animals. Whether priests have to tell the police about crimes they are aware of and maybe even involved in. Pink stun guns. How much do 11 pounds of cocaine work? The mechanics of hanging. What happened to Carla Homolka after her release? How to make a car fly. The colonial parkway killer. The swans migrate. Marital property laws in Florida. If horses can throw up. Do crowd getters hire me? What animals can get drunk? How do you get stuck in a window? Sharks live. International flight security. How do you get a typewriter into your prison cell? What you shouldn't bring to a robbery. But we're still crazy for a good true crime story. If you don't know anything about these things either, you should come listen to Crime Crazy. Diana, do you have any advice for us? Yeah, you should subscribe to Crime Crazy. You can find us on iTunes or Google Play or Podbean or your podcast catcher of choice. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WordPress, Facebook, Gmail, or Facebook. Call your people. Yes, call your people. And don't end up on next week's episode. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes, it's my turn now. Yes, what <laughs> have you got this week? So, I'm going to explain how I come to this decision of choosing this person. Because I always spend about okay. an hour. It's like, I could do this person, but maybe not. But maybe this one. And then I keep finding more and more and more. And then one of them, mm-hmm. they just stick. I was like, they have the same birthday as me, so I'm going to go with this one. <laughs> <gasps> Good reasoning. I like it. Uh-huh. So she is called Mae Jemison. She is a American engineer physician and former NASA astronaut. Mm. And she was the first black woman to travel in space and also mm-hmm. the first astronaut to appear on Star Trek. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so full name is Mae Carol Jemison and she was born mm-hmm. in Decatur, Alabama. On October 17th, mm-hmm. 1956, she okay. is the youngest of three children, and mm-hmm. her father was a maintenance su- supervisor for a charity organization, which is very nice, mm-hmm. and her mother worked at an elementary school uh, teaching English and maths at the Ludwig van cool. Beethoven Elementary School in Chicago. Oh, that sounds very posh. I know. Um, so she knew from a young age that she wanted to study science and someday go mm. to space because she really loved Star Trek as a kid and in particular Aww. the African American actress Nichelle Nichols um, of the portrayal of Lieutenant Uhura maybe um, and that also like, gonna, got, yeah. got her interest in space and she, she likes studying nature and human physiology. And she liked to use her own observations to learn about science. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And her mother... What? I said she's very earthy. Yes. <laughs> Even though she went to space. <laughs> yeah, you've got to know your roots, don't you? <laughs> um, so her mother encouraged her curiosity... Mm-hmm. And um, both both parents like supported her interest in science, and like even her teachers weren't supportive of her. Like she told someone one of her teachers in kindergarten that she wanted to be a scientist, and th- the teacher thought she meant a nurse. She what? Said, no, she wanted to be a scientist. And why? She... <sighs> I know, ridiculous. But she she was very frustrated with the lack of female astronauts on the Apollo missions she watched growing up. She she said that she remembered everyone being thrilled about space, but she remembers being really, really irritated that there were no women astronauts. Rightly so. Mm. And she at this is actually relevant. At age eight or nine she started studying ballet. Okay. Um, and she entered high school at 12, and she joined the cheerleading team and the modern dance club. Um, and she learned several types of dance, including African, Japanese, um, jazz, ballet, and modern dance. Oh my gosh! So, Aren't even, like, closely linked. Like, I know. They're very... Wow, okay. Yeah, so she had, she had aspirations of becoming a pressure... Professional dancer. 
And at age 14, I got really excited when I read this. She auditions for for the leading role of Maria in West Side Story. But then I realised the dates. And I was like, not the film. I'm guessing it was just like a stage production. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh my god, she was nearly in the film. But then she she got to be a backup dancer, background dancer. Okay. Um, And then she, she graduated high school in 1973. And entered mm-hmm. Stanford University at the age of 18. Not 18, 16. Um, what? She was 16, not 18. Wait, she, she went to university when she was 16? Yeah. Oh my god. And she said, even though she was like leaving home young, it didn't phase her because she was naive and stubborn enough. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I respect that. Yes. It does say that... She she was there wasn't many African American students in her classes, and her teachers were discriminating against them as well, which is not nice. Mm. It really bothers me when like teachers like I get that they do what they can to make sure that teachers who are like that don't get become teachers. But it really bothers me when you do get teachers like that. It's like you're meant to be there to make sure that that person can be the best like version of that person and if you have any prejudice already you are a hurdle that they have to overcome when they're still developing their education yeah (laughs) so it's like no anyway anyway um but she in an interview that she did she said it was difficult to go to to stanford but her youthful arrogance helped her and she said that um, some arrogance is necessary for women and minorities to be successful in a white male dominated society. Preach. I know. Red gem. Uh, so at Stanford, she was head of the Black Students' Union. Mm-hmm. And she like also, she also uh, choreographed a musical and dance production called Out of the Shadows. Oh, I love it. I love that. I love that she still like continues her dance through everything. Yeah, I it's like, like I love it. What are you into? I'm into space. I'm gonna go to space, and then what? I'm also into? I'm also into really dancing. You know, mm-hmm. just yeah. And so, in her senior year, she she struggled with the choice of going to medical school or pursuing a career as a professional dancer. Oh, but she chose medical school. Okay, uh, as she graduated from Stanford in 1977. Um, with a degree in chemical engineering and a BA degree in African and African American studies. Oh my god. How old was she? Um, 70s. She would have been 21. Okay. Okay. Or 20. So she. I didn't know how to fit in, but I thought it was really cool how she knew this many languages. But she knows how to mm. speak fluently Russian, Japanese, Swahili and English. Russian, Japanese, Swahili and English. They all have like a different um uh yeah like letters. What's system. it called? Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? Um I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if she picked them because of that, but that's Jesus. I know. But I mean, it will relevant to her career, which will later be explained. But oh, <laughs> carry on. Um, so she did consider applying to NASA while she was at Stanford, but mm. she decided to focus more on medical degree. Um, okay. So she attended Cornell Medical School, and during her training, she went to Cuba. Um. Ooh. And then Thailand, and then um, and in Thailand she worked at a Cambodian refugee camp. Cool. Um, and she she worked for a flying doctors, which was stationed in East Africa. Okay. Um, but while she was at Cornell, she continued to study dance by enrolling in classes at the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theatre. Cool, I like it. 
And then after graduating with a doctorate in medicine in 1981, she Mm. interned at the Los Angeles County USC Medical Center and then worked as a general practitioner for a while. And then... God, can you imagine if you're you're one of her patients? (laughs) I know, she's like, she's in space now. Yeah. (laughs) What did she do? She just checked my bum. (laughs) (laughs) and then in 1983 she joined the peace corps and served as a medical officer until 1985 cool and she was responsible for the the health of the peace corps volunteers who were serving in liberia and sierra leone and she also worked on uh, she worked with Centers for Disease Control, so helping with like research for vaccines over there as well. Whoa. She's, she's everything. I know, she's so smart and accomplished. Okay. <laughs> so then she came back to the US and did some more like doctoring for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she saw the flights of Sally Ride, who was the first American woman in space. Mm-hmm. And then Goyen Bluford, who was the first uh, black person in space. Oh, okay. And um, in nineteen, 1980- she thought she just combined the two. Yes. <laughs> um, and in nineteen eighty three, it inspired her to apply to the astronaut program. Mm. But this was postponed because of the Challenger disaster in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Which I know is a tragedy. But there's a book that mentions this, and I find it really fascinating. It's um, 10.04. I've told you about it by Ben Lerner. Yes. And you've read part of it. Yeah. Um, so yes. the kids in the classroom, so it was filmed for them to watch the Challenger mm-hmm. flight go up in space. Um, and it was filmed because it was on like early in the morning, and no one had watched it, obviously, because they were saving it to watch with the kids all together and Mm -hmm. they no one had heard the news that it had crashed so all these kids sat and watched this challenger disaster but it had already happened and everyone knew so they like watched a recorded version of it as if it was live but it wasn't live it's very meta i find it really fascinating (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that's Mm-hmm. I suppose that's like with any kind of document documentation of any natural disaster or well not natural disaster but any kind of kind of disaster like I'm sure there were loads of people who like weren't awake in this country when like 9/11 happened yeah and yet and then they woke up and then watched it so they were like learning about it on a rec- off a recording mm. that was being recorded whilst you already you've already had people's like in, a, in America's entire day of trauma yeah. that we have... So it's... But yeah, I, I see... Yeah, it's weird. Mm. It's because it's like built up Thanks. to be uh, exciting and then it yeah. was tragic. Mm. Um, but carrying on... Yeah, that was... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so she reapplied in 1987... And she was chosen out of about 2,000 applicants uh, to be one of the 15 people in NASA Astronaut Group 12. Whoa. And um, she also, around this time, she featured in an episode of Best Catches, which is basically like, I think it's a bit like, Take me out for British oh. people, and it because she was considered okay. one of the most eligible singles. So she was on this TV show. I don't. Okay. I've never seen the TV show. I'm just guessing from the limited knowledge I have on it, but that's what it says. Okay, that's <laughs> that seems like a weird thing. Like it, it's very off-brand. It really me because, like, yeah, can you imagine like? people who don't pick her like because if it is like take me out obviously mm. if she's like yeah okay i like the look of him but then he's like oh nah 
And then, like, doesn't... I'd be like, you, do you realise, like... Yeah. Who she's about to be? Mm. <laughs> See, I don't know. Mm. Um, oh, so in, on the 28th of, De- of September, 1989, she uh-huh. was selected to join the STS-47 crew as a mission specialist for... Um, so she was the science mission specialist and um, she was going to be doing scientific experiments on board. It's very cool. Um, so this, It's very, very cool. I know. So the, the, the shuttle they were on was called Endeavour and it flew up to space on September the 12th to the 20th, 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just... Um, went like orbited the Earth. I think they went round a hundred and twenty-seven times. They orbited the Earth, and it. This, oh my God, you feel sick. I know. If this was a cooperative mission between the United States and Japan. Oh okay. Oh, mm. that helps that she speaks Japanese. Yeah. As yeah. well as the fiftieth shuttle mission. Wow, fifty. Yeah, in 92, yeah. That's a lot. So the, um, what is it called? Shuttle contained 43 people from Japan and the United States. Uh, And Uh the main purpose of, of the mission was for life science and materials processing experiments. Okay. And, um... It is very specific on how long she spent in in space. It is 198, no, 190 hours, 30 minutes and 23 seconds. Is how long she spent in space. About eight days. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's very precise. Yes. And so, going back to her previous love of Star Trek... Um, when she began communications on her shift, she'd say hailing frequencies open, which, I mean, I don't watch Star Wars. Star, Star Trek, I apologise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to prove that you, you've never seen it. You just decide to mix, mix up the shows. Well, yeah. mix up the, um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I've seen two episodes. You're practically an expert. I know. Um, which was a it was a quote from the show which all makes Mm -hmm. sense to people who like it (laughs) Um, and so she did she took a poster from the dance theatre she went with uh, was with during her time at Cornell on the flight Mm. and she took a West African statuette and also a photo of pioneering aviator Bessie Coleman who was the first African-American with an international pilot licence. Oh, wicked. Mm. So this is when it gets quite technical, and I'm not entirely sure what I'm talking about. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jemison and the Japanese astronaut Mamoru Mori, um, uh-huh. they were trained to use autogenic feedback training exercise, which was a technique that was it was meant to help monitor your physiology um as a possible treatment for motion sickness anxiety and stress related disorders oh and so they actually uh, experimented on themselves doing it it was all like fine that they're all fine (laughs) okay um and they did some other experiments one was a bone cell research experiment, and um, another one was they induced a female frog uh, to ovulate and then fertilize the eggs to see how tadpoles would survive in zero gravity. It doesn't what actually. What the hell? I know. It doesn't say anything about the success of that, but I'm quite interested. I should have <gasps> looked that up. Um, <laughs> but. That's a weird thing to take from all this and be like, that's something I want to research more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then she returned to Earth and then resigned from NASA 
with the intention of starting her own company. Okay. I mean, it's kind of be there, done that, moving on. (laughs) Is it space? Yeah, we've moved past it. (laughs) Anything else? Making company now. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So after NASA, she worked for two years for the on the board of directors for the World Sickle Cell Foundation. Whoa. Okay. Mm. And she and then in 1993 she founded the Jemison Company, um, which was a consulting firm which considers the socio-cultural impact of technological advancements and design. Oh my. Okay. But it keeps going. It keeps going. <laughs> So then okay. she also founded the Dorothy Jemison Foundation for Excellence, mm-hmm. which was named after her mother. Oh. And um, the pro- they did projects, the foundation did. It was called The Earth We Share, which was a science camp for students aged 12 to 16. And these were held like all over the country. And in like Dartmouth and Colorado School of Mines and all places like that. And then this became international by going to South Africa, Tunisia, and Switzerland. Uh Um, And then from 95 to 2002, she became a professor of environmental studies at Dartmouth Dartmouth College, um, where she continued to direct the Jemison Institute for Advancing Technologies in Developing Countries. It kind of seems like she gets bored if she's in a job for more than, like, five years. I know. But she's but doing she's got, such like, so great many skills. things. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, no, I'm bored of this. Now I'm going to do something. Like, usually when someone does that, they're like, okay, I'll stay within the same kind of mm. lame. No, she's just like, I'm going to be a professor, I'm going to be an astronaut, I'm going to be, you know, charity organisation. You know, just do all these things. Mm. Dancer. So, in 2012... She won the winning bid for the DARPA 100-Year Starship Project, mm-hmm. which is a... It was basically a, like, a defence... Because DARPA's the defence people thing, but for, I think, with a focus on minorities and black people and getting younger children in into science. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, and lots of stuff like that. And then she also wrote books. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so her first book was a children's book called Find Where the Wind Goes, which Aww. is a memoir of her life, but written for children. That's a... Oh, that's probably, that's actually quite cool. Mm. That's like a, a a format of writing in. Yeah. So she, like, talks about her time at Stanford, the Peace Corps, and as an astronaut. Oh. I know. And then she also co-authored a book series uh, called A True Book, which um, the books have, like, find the truth challenge in them. So there's true or false questions, and that's how the story is revealed. Ooh. I feel like I need to read an extract of that mm. to get it, yeah. And so, random stuff about her life, which I thought was fun. Uh-huh. So, LeVar Burton, he's in Star Trek, for people who don't know. <laughs> um, you mean like you didn't before you researched it? I only knew because it's in Community, and I watched Community, and oh, they okay. talk about it. Um... So he found out that she was a big Star Trek fan and asked if she'd appear on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did uh, in 1993 in Second Chances is the name of the episode. And she was the first real-life astronaut to appear on there. That's amazing. That implies that there have been more people after her that have... have she started like... the trend. Yeah. Most people are like, oh, I want to do that too. That's so cool. Mm. Mm. And um, she is an active public speaker, who and she promotes science and technology for everybody. Oh, oh. Um, oh, and she was. 
this is not relevant to anything, but I found it interesting. She participated in a, a show called African American Line Lives, which was a PBS mini series where it went back, like they looked at the genealogy of their history, and she found out that she was thirteen percent East Asian, and that her paternal ancestors were slaves at a plantation in Talladega County, Alabama. Oh, okay. And she hmm. was also at a speaker at the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Alpha Kappa Alpha, which is the first sorority established by African-American college women. And... She... Wait, she did what? What? Repeat that last bit. About the sorority? Yeah. Because I think there was a fact that Catherine Johnson did something very similar. One sec. I'm going to have to get up my research again. Okay. Um, but she she paid tribute to them because she mm. took the sorority's banner on the shuttle with her, so took it to space. Oh, and so, um, that's so cute. I know. So the sorority has like a traveling exhibition, and um, uh-huh. that banner is part of the exhibition now. And she's an honorary that's member. So cool! Yeah, I know. Wait, which what, what's the sorority called? Alpha Kappa Alpha. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Johnson uh, was a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Oh. They probably knew each other, maybe. Well, I think there was a bit of a difference in timing. But, like, they were both at NASA at the same time. Oh, no, they weren't. She retired in the (laughs) year. Yeah. But, I mean, that's still really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just, for some reason, that stuck in my head. I was like, oh, hold on a second. Yeah. But that's very, very cool. I know. And then in 2009, she participated with the then First Lady Michelle Obama um, Uh in a forum for promising girls in Washington, D.C. schools. Um, And then in 2016, she partnered with Bayer Corporation to promote and advance science literacy in schools with emphasising hands-on experimentation. I love it. I love kinesthetic learning. No. And um, also, is something you mentioned. She, in 2017, she was one of the women of NASA set in the Legos. Ah! Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And, and um, last year, she a quote from her appeared on the Google Doodle for International Women's Day. Uh-huh. Which was never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Oh, yeah. I love that quote. That's a good quote. And Aww. lastly, this is just something she did on her own. So she built a dance studio in her home and choreographed and produced several shows of modern dance and African dance <laughs> throughout her life. Oh, just just because, just she yeah. didn't have you know. She had too much downtime, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's yeah. that's her. Oh my gosh. She's so cool and she's oh. still going. And she's got a Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Like yeah, all that is absolutely amazing. I know. <laughs> well, I feel like I've underachieved. Me too. But we're not like <laughs> in our fifties or sixties yet. So we've got some time. Yeah, I, I still don't think it's. Uh, I'm going to get all of that in though somehow. No, maybe not. I just it makes me so sad that we don't know these women. Like I'd never yeah. heard of, like I'd vaguely heard of Catherine Johnson, just mm-hmm. because of Hidden Figures though, and then with Mae Jemison, I'd never heard of her before. But she's done so no. much. The thing is though, it's like it's really weird because I feel like the space kind of. Space, like to be fair, it's one of those things that you you only kind of know about, like Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. Like there aren't that many other people. Yeah, that's true. That you do know about. Mm. Do you have any recommendations for this week? I did, and I've forgotten them all. Well, I thought we'd both recommend Little Women. Oh yeah, the new Greta Gerwig oh, film. I've seen it twice. 
I cried the whole I just way got through. Hit with emotions again. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's just, just go watch it's it. It's so good. It's oh. amazing. I've decided yeah. I'm going to call my one of my children Greta after Greta Gerwig. That yeah, it's a it, nice name as well. Actually, it is. It's like it's, yeah. I was even saying to my mum today because we were talking. My mum has been trying to remember. She saw in something that we had watched. Uh, this is the conversations we had. She went, I saw a, uh, something that was knitted in something, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that looks really good. I'll see if I can knit that." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> what was it?" She was like, "It was like this thing that goes. It's like a, a it crosses over at the front and things." I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And she said today, she went, "It was little women that I saw it in. Was it a waistcoat? A, a knitted. It was a shawl. Yeah." Um. In it, and my mum was like, "I really want that." So I said, "Yes." I says, "But I did sit there the whole film, going, God, I would kill someone for Joe Marsh's wardrobe.'" And was like, "I did think that you would think that." And I was like, "Yes." It's so good. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I oh, just the lie. Oh, it was amazing. Cried. It was good. I loved it. I went the first weekend it opened, and then I mm-hmm. went the weekend after, and it was equally as full. Whoa. And it it just I could hear everyone. Like in the when the dim bits came, and you could just hear the sniffles of so many people in the audience. I was like, "Oh my god, Greta, I'm so proud of you!" Oh, it's just it's so good. I know because we went to go watch we went to go watch that, and then the day after we went to go watch Star Wars because we were like mm. we had nothing to do basically in the space between like Christmas and New Year, mm-hmm. so we just kind of potted around and went to the cinema and stuff. And uh, you could tell very much that, like, going to see Little Women was, like, the film I wanted to go see, and then going to see Star Wars was, like, the one my mum wanted to go see. And we, we both left the cinemas at, at, at the different days being like, that was amazing, but about very different films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you just made me want to go and watch it again now. It's oh. so good. I'm trying to think of what else I was going to recommend. It must have been a TV show, because that's all I've really done recently is watch TV. Mm. I mean, you could recommend Hidden Figures. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Hidden Figures. It's not a new film, but it is equally good. It's relatively new, like four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I did watch, uh, though, um, Hustlers as well. Oh, I saw that. Recently. Mm. And that was good as well. That's another mm. recommendation. There's loads, loads of films that uh, have not been up for as many of a- a- awards as one would hope. Yeah. But are good, yeah. I think that yeah. is the episode. I think it is as well. <laughs> we got a lot in there as well. We did. <laughs> so... I know, I didn't even do any space puns. Oh, that's so sad. I'm trying to think of a space pun. Space you later. <laughs> I, I love that whenever we try and come up with a pun for anything you always just put that word and then you say you later yeah it works <laughs> one day it's gonna work <laughs> one day yeah so space you later <laughs> yeah um, and we'll see you later peace Bye. out aliens yep <laughs> I'm gonna stop yeah thank you <laughs>